we're going to be opening the scriptures now, and we're doing a series in the Old Testament. And last week, we looked at Psalm 16 and saw how it can guide us through an experience of God's presence. We're going to look at another psalm this week, Psalm 81. And my goal is that we should hear, and I'm going to talk about the word hear in a minute, we should hear some of the most beautiful words of Scripture, that we would take them in and that they would challenge us. That is my goal for us today. So, the book of Psalms is pretty much in the middle of the Bible. When I was uh, when I was young and I was going to Sunday school, we used to have a challenge to see who could find a particular verse in the Bible. And we would learn how to quickly find where a book was. And one thing you learned is if you wanted to find the Psalms, you went to the middle. And yes, I got, no, I didn't, I got Isaiah, but very close. So there we go. There's the Psalms. So um, it's, it's uh, pretty much in the middle of the book of Psalms. I'm sorry, the the Bible. So we have Psalms in the middle. And uh, the book of Psalms itself is divided into five books. You can read it. There are little notes above Psalms that say, this is the beginning of book one. And this isn't a very ancient thing that when it was put together, originally it was put together with these five books. And uh, book one has is Psalms 1 to 41 and so on. So Psalm 81 falls into book 3, which is Psalm 73 to 89. So it's in the middle book. And then if you look at this middle book of Psalms, you will see that Psalm 81 actually falls in the middle of that. I've highlighted 80 there, but it should be 81. It falls in the middle of those uh that 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 um, book of Psalms, sorry that that book in the Psalms, and the 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 part of Hebrew culture and Hebrew art was valuing symmetry, and what was put right in the middle was considered to be something that was more um, most important. It was like the key, and so we have here the middle book. And then the, the, the Psalms, which are in the middle, and then the middle of the Psalms, and then the middle of the middle book in the Psalms. And if we're going to look then at that, we, we look at the middle verses is what we're going to look at today, right there. And we're going to see something amazing and something really important. So as I was studying this, I came across a, a, a writer, Robert Godfrey, who's the, uh, who's the head of uh, one of the leading seminaries in the world, and uh, he wrote this wonderful piece. What does the church need most need today? In answering this important but rather general question, Psalm 81 is uniquely important and helpful. This psalm obviously contains beautiful promises and clear directions to help the people of God, but careful study of this psalm would deepen our appreciation of it, increase its value for us, and show us how distinctive it is for helping the church. And he points out how this is right in the middle of the middle of the middle. So, when we come right to the middle of that 
of this psalm. I'm going to show you the verses we get to. So I'm going to, this, is, this is where we're heading with this sermon today. These are the verses, right in the middle. Listen, O my people, while I speak earnestly to you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. What amazing, powerful words these are. What a promise this is. And this is this is like the setting, this is the jewel that's set in the middle of this psalm. So the question then is, how can we take this and apply it to us? And this is our challenge this morning, how we can take this these verses. Now, we have to look at the whole psalm in order to do this. So let's look at the whole psalm and we can see the context for this jewel. Psalm 81, for the music leader in the Gittith style, we've got no idea what the Gittith style was, but it may have been the tune that it was sung to, by Asaph. So most of the, the, the most common writer of the Psalms was David, but another writer was Asaph and he's written this psalm. Uh, Sing out in joy to God our strength. Shout out to the God of Jacob. It's interesting that these are very, very strong words. We could use words like, Raise the roof with the volume of your shouting. And um, I'm not going to ask you to do it right now. If we were meeting live in the church, I would. But I'm going to, but, but you're, you know, you're at different places where it might not be appropriate to <laughs> shout out so it raises the roof. But you can if you're, if you're um, by yourself somewhere. But uh, it's got this idea of really shouting out and praising God. And, you know, I don't think we do this like we should do. In our in our church culture, um, it's maybe sports games that do this, but not in church. And we should be. This is what it's encouraging us to do. Lift up a song, sound the tambourine, the beautiful harp, and the ten-stringed instrument. Blow the horn at the new moon, at the full moon, when our festival begins. So we don't know which festival this was, but. Probably the Feast of Tabernacles, it could well be that. But it's not really important which one it was. For it's a decree for Israel, a rule in of the God of Jacob. He made it a regulation in Joseph when he went out against the land of Egypt. So that is the, the regulation is to praise God. The rule is to praise God. So then we have a statement. I listened to a voice I had not understood. I And then what he's saying is, uh, he's saying, uh, previously I hadn't understood this voice, but now I can hear the voice. I can hear what God is saying. And from now on, it's God's voice speaking. And this is the rest of the psalm in God's voice. God is speaking of what he's done. I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you from a dark thundercloud. Cloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Selah is, if we're not completely sure, but it probably means like, let's pause and think of that. Wow. Kind of like a pause. And so that waters of Meribah is where they were thirsty and God produced water from a rock for them. 
So he's just talking about how he's been faithful in the past and how he kept them and the good things he's done. And now we come to the middle part. Listen, O my people, while I speak earnestly to you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no other God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. And now the very middle verse. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to do what seemed right to them. If only my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies. Turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe towards him and they would be permanently humiliated. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. So those are beautiful words um, that God is pleading with his people that he's going to satisfy them with honey from the rock. Um, And uh, uh, I think that... um, this these this verse here is is a, 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 a this is a, a psalm which focuses on the word listen and if only my people would listen to me if only my people would listen to me and if they listen they would get honey from a rock and honey would have been the sweetest thing you could you could have got in those days. I mean, it's still pretty sweet now, isn't it? It's one of the sweetest things you could get. And honey from a rock. He gave them water from a rock. This is going to be even better. He's going to give them honey from a rock. Wow. So um, so when they saw this word listen, it would echoed in their minds because it's making a reference to a verse in the Old Testament that they would consider to be the very core of their faith, of who they are. And the, ver- the, the word listen is in Hebrew, shema. And this, this scripture I'm going to show you is actually known as the shema because it focuses on this idea of listening. So here we go. Listen, shema Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your being, and with all your strength. And um, the Jews would have regarded this as the central statement of Judaism. And this psalm is calling them back to listen. But, you know, Shema means more than just listen in terms of hearing. It's got the idea of a listening that leads you to respond. And it's it's uh, it's a listening where you actually take note and you respond to it, and so the central bit of the Psalms, like I said, Psalms is in five books. Well, the central book seems to be about the nation in captivity and being taken away, and they say, "What has gone wrong? What what's happened to us now?" Um, and it's God has heard us in the past, but God answers, "I'm still here, and I want to bless you." All you need to do is to listen. So what does it mean to listen? What does this word mean? Um, 
it's uh, often the word obey and the word listen are both translated from Shema. It can mean both of those. Um, I read a story um, not that long ago about a woman who was visiting her friend and both of these, both of them the, the knew Hebrew. And their kids were playing outside with a sprinkler. And she says, uh, the, the lady whose kids they were said, my kids seem to be having a, uh, a hearing problem. I, I keep calling them and they, and they don't come. They, they're just ignoring me. And uh, the, the friend said to her, you know, I don't think they have a hearing problem. I think the ears are fine. I think they have a shamaring problem. I think they have a shamaring problem. And if you have kids, you might you might know what it's like when kids have a shamaring problem. They, they they carry on as if you haven't said anything. And so the idea then is shema is um, to hear and respond. I'm going to give you one more example. Um, and here is, uh, this is from Deuteronomy eleven thirteen. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, um, then there's a promise. Now, it's interesting to know that in Hebrew, when you, want to do, when you want to say something really strongly, you can say it, you can use the same word twice. So if I say, um, uh, I, I, um, God loves me, you can say, loving God loves me. And putting the, saying it twice in, those, in that particular way just gives you extreme emphasis. And what's happening in this, it's translated faithfully obey, but the original is if you shamaringly shamar the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So here's like this idea to, to shamar is to hear in a way that makes you respond. And it's not just hearing and, and the words go in, but being committed to them. So let's go back to Psalm 81, and we're going to go to the middle here of this psalm. And uh, here we go. So verse 10 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That is the, that is the key idea that I want us to look at today. And, um, the, the image that we, that we see here is like the image of a baby bird. You know how birds in the nest and they want to be fed by the mother. They open their mouth wide and the mother puts food in. And this is what the image is. It's a, it's a very special, I just love this picture of the birds because their mouths are so wide. This is what God is wanting us to do. And the key, the key idea that I want you to get today is that God desires to deeply satisfy you. He wants to deeply satisfy you. And listen to him, shamar him, and he will deeply satisfy you. It's his heart to give you, to fill you. It's his heart to do that. So this raises a couple of questions. And the first question I want to ask is, is this about earning God's favor through works? So in other words, um, you know, if I, if I do, if I work hard enough, then God will bless me. Um, the trouble is, I think that we're so afraid of going into works, becoming a works Christianity, that if God asks us to any, to do anything, 
we say it works. And um, this is not about achieving salvation. Salvation is purely by grace, a good gift of God. Um, it, um, this is about stepping out in faith and growing to maturity. Um, Jesus had no problem telling people to follow him, to count the cost. He had no problem doing that. This is really about trusting him. Um, a wise man said, just because you don't have to do anything doesn't mean there isn't anything to do. You may actually know the wise man. His name's Bill Bain. Some of you may know him. <laughs> anyway, um, so so the motivation then, it can sound very spiritual to have a motivation. Oh, um, I, I don't, I, I, I just, I'm not going to do anything for reward. I just want more of God. But that's not what God says. He says, I need, uh, if you really want more, you have to ask for it. You have to, you have to shema for it. This is not a prosperity gospel, but this is an invitation to drink deeply of him and be satisfied by him. And it's he who's satisfying us, either directly or by gifts that he's given us. And you know, God knows how to satisfy you more than anyone else does. He's made you. He's created you. He knows those deep places in your heart and he can fill them like nobody else can. So I want to appeal to you that God wants to give you more than you more than you need, more than you could ever dream of. He wants to give you honey, which is, which is unnecessary. Nobody needs honey to live, but God, God gives you honey to deeply satisfy. Let's just go back. Um, oh, this is, is this not the wrong motivation? No, I don't think wanting more of God is a wrong motivation. So Psalm 81, listen, O my people, while I speak earnestly to you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. What a lovely image there. Does this stir something up in you? It stirs something in me as I read these. It kind of gives me a hunger and it says, yes, this is what I want. I want God to deeply satisfy me. This is, nothing can compare with that. Wow. So um, another question, we've asked about whether it's earning God's favor through works, or whether the motivation. I want to ask, why doesn't God force us to listen so he can bless us why doesn't he take hold of us just well i'm going to bless you i'm just going to force you well i believe that um god wants you to grow in maturity and just like a parent trains a child to make good choices god wants you to make good choices just uh and, and really he's trying to motivate you in these words to give you motives for making this choice and I want the year 2022 to be the best year of my life. And it can be the best year of your life. It can be. Is that a motivation? The, the year where you were most satisfied that you, you had the richest life. God can give you that. And all he asks you is to open your mouth wide by 
hearing, by shamaing him. So there's a few more, few more questions that we can have coming up from this. Um, how, do I, how do I do what God is saying? What is God wanting me to do? Uh, you know what I would do. You know what is he wanting me to do? Well, I would suggest to you that actually, for most of us, the problem is not knowing what God wants us to, us to do. We've got a pretty good idea. It's actually doing it. Um, if we're not, if we've got no idea, then God is very willing to tell us if we we ask Him. But usually, the problem is that we know, but we don't do it. Um, let me let me give you a story to maybe help. Um, and that's the the Mary and Martha story. Remember how how uh, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet while he was teaching, and Martha was off preparing food and so on. And then Martha complained at Mary, and Jesus said, "No, Mary has chosen the better way. Mary's chosen to sit and listen to me, to shema me, and that's the better way." And um, what's interesting is that uh, if we f- if we follow the story along, and most people don't follow it through, they just leave it at that incident, but if we follow the story through, we see that Martha actually must have obeyed that and, and listened to Jesus because right at the end, just before Lazarus was raised from the dead, she made an amazing statement of faith, which is probably one of the greatest statements in the whole of the New Testament before um, Jesus, before the cross. And she'd reached this this glorious insight about who Jesus was and through shamaring him. So what does that actually translate for us? What is it for us to sit at Jesus' feet? Well, quite simply, we can read his word because he's given us large amounts of his word in the Gospels, but actually all of this is his word. He is the word. And so we can sit and we can read this and we can ask him, God, what do you want me to say? What, do you, what, are, you, what are you saying to me through your word? And, uh, you know, I'm going to promise you, if you shamar God through his word in this coming year, you will be blessed by it. You will receive a blessing by it. So another interesting thing to look at uh, is the question of uh, how this relates to the um, how this relates to the New Testament, so I'm going to say that if we read this psalm, God is pleading with you now. He says, "Read the words I've written to you." He's pleading with you to give Him the opportunity of being satisfied by Him. But is that message just an Old Testament one, or is this in the New Testament as well? Well, let's have a look. It's interesting that in Psalm 81, which is what we've been reading, there has some very similar verses to John 4. And uh, let's look at the psalm, some verses from Psalm 81 that we've been reading. Listen, O my people, while I speak earnestly to you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And uh, so this is from Psalm 81. Now, when Jesus is speaking to the woman of Samaria, he says some interesting things to her. Because it's a very, very similar invitation he gives to her than what is given here. So let's read it. I would, uh, sorry, this is still 
Psalm 81, I would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Jesus said to her, this is John 4, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst again. The water that that I will give will become in them a fountain of, of water springing up to eternal life. And she did. She did. She followed. She obeyed. She she asked, and Jesus told her to go and go and go into the city. And she did. She brought many people out to see Jesus, and uh, she she shamed him. And so, I want to say to you, as we draw this to a close, will you listen? Will you shema in twenty twenty two? There's so much that God has for you. He has so much. All you need to do is to open open your mouth wide. Open your mouth wide by listening to him and he will fill it. Put him first in all that you do. Make him the one who has the biggest priority in your life and he has so much for you. So my prayer, and this is a message for me as well as for you, for everybody here. This is a message for all of us. It's also a message for those who are not believers because this is an invitation to come and receive and become a Christian to join God's people, to join the followers of Jesus because it's a, it, it's a, it's, it's faith. It's trust in God, which is what brings us into new life. So I'm going to pray now that all of us will experience this. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing promise that you've placed right in the center of Scripture. Thank you, God, for this invitation. Thank you that you promise, you offer to deeply satisfy us, to fill us. Thank you, God. God, please, may we respond May we respond to this call by listening to you, by eagerly coming and asking what you want us to do and reading your word. We pray, Lord, that we will do this. And we pray, Lord, that we will have such abundant blessing. We will be filled with joy and we, want to, we will want to raise a shout that raises the roof for joy. Thank you, God. Amen.